the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The week is, uh, is filled with many, many themes. They are almost like staggered on top of each other. So, as you go along with the theme of the common theme of Christ and what's taking place uh, in his life, you have many other themes going along with it. So, for example, you have the theme of judgment coming upon Israel. It's a common theme throughout the whole week. You have the theme of uh, end of times and um, God's judgment and the uh, coming before, before God. You have the theme of the Jews rejecting the Lord and completely coming in, in a complete uh, becoming in complete opposition to him. Uh, their plan to, to kill him and, and, and all this. So there are many, many themes happening um, in the readings. Of course, you have the theme of mercy and this, the theme of, uh, of justice that needs to take place in Israel and, and how God rejected Israel because Israel's worship became so, so empty. You have so many themes happening. I don't know if you notice all this or not, but, but within all these themes, Somehow, I, I feel them, yes, they are filled with the love of God. And you see this clear, and you see the grace of God is very obvious. But somehow, I, I feel these themes come to be almost heavy on our hearts. And I think there's intention uh, for this, that we really, when we, every time we come and think of, you know, the end of times or judgment or this or that, we, we come to, to, to feel something heavy on our hearts. And um, within all these themes, yet you find some people shine in the midst of all these things happening. So for example, you find Peter confessing, you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. And you also find, you know, the woman in, in Simon's the leper's house in, in Matthew 26 that comes and, and breaks the alabaster flask upon uh, the Lord's feet and, and, and wash his feet. And, and, you, and you look like to this event and you're, you're so amazed by this woman, you know, what moved her heart and what moved Peter's heart to, to say you are the Christ, the son of God. And, and, and how you see all these things happening, these are almost light in the midst of a very heavy reading and a very heavy week, if you would. Going along these lines, you also find the theme of or this woman, that we don't speak of her very much, uh, Pilate's wife. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but Pilate's wife comes uh, in, in chapter 27 as the Lord is being tried and she sends a message to Pilate and she tells him, 
stay away from this just man. I suffered greatly this night because, through a dream because of him. Just to stay away from him. Of course, we know what Pilate did. You know, kind of ignored this, you know, message from his wife and, and, and moved on in a sense. The question that I have in today is, what moved all these people? What was on their hearts that moved them to do what they've done or to say or to confess the Lord in the way they confessed him? You know, the fact that the Lord performed many miracles and the fact that he gave wonderful sermons did not really intercede for him with the high priests or with the scribes or with, you know, the men in power. Actually, you know, that caused him, you know, a greater conflict with them. I don't know if you notice, but in, in the Gospel of John chapter 9, when, uh, when the born blind man's uh, parents were about to confess that this is their son and that the Lord performed a miracle, what did the Bible say? It said they were afraid because the scribes and the, and the Jews and the Pharisees said what? If anyone confess him, what do we do? We expel him out of the synagogue. In a sense, we excommunicate him. We cancel him. We eliminate him. So anyone who would confess Christ is canceled. I think this is not something, by the way, very strange to us now. But still the question comes to say, by what power they were able to confess him? And as you see all these things happening, you see the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jews coming and asking, by what authority you do these things? By what authority, speaking to Christ, by what authority you cleanse, uh, you cleanse the, uh, the temple? What gave you the authority? And so you see some who would do things and say things, and you wonder what really moved their hearts. What caused them to do what they have done? And the Lord gave us a hint. He said to Peter, he said, Simon Barjona, not flesh and blood revealed this to you, but my Father was in heaven, right? It's, he, he says, the Lord said, this is a revelation to them. Their hearts are moved by almost a divine revelation. This, this man, uh, this Peter, moved by a divine revelation to confess Christ. The woman who came and, and poured the alabaster flask uh, uh, of, of Spike Nard, she's moved by almost a divine revelation. The Lord even said, let her alone. She's done this for my burial. And even the woman, uh, Pilate's wife, she had a dream. She says, I suffered tonight greatly because of this man. So, so all these men and women, something was in their hearts 
that was probably bigger than them. Bigger than the fear of society and greater than the fear from the scribes and the Pharisees. How big is what's in their hearts? It's greater than the world. So the world became so small in their eyes to the point that they were willing to die. And Peter said that, yes, Peter denied later on. He says, Lord, you know, I'm willing to go and die with you. So these confessions and these actions were not easy on them at all. I think this is very similar to our situation now. When we come to confess Christ, many times we are canceled, we're put aside, we're ignored, we're belittled. But I go back and I say, something in their hearts that was bigger than them, that put things in perspective and made them think that the world and fear for their lives is very small. Something inside moved them. Like what I said, they're moved by revelation. You know, when, comes, when Paul comes and says, you know, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. How do you participate in his suffering? How do you, as a Christian, enter into the suffering of Christ? And what would you need in your heart to be able to face outside and to be able to express your faith and speak of a revelation that's inside you that's bigger than society, that's bigger than the world? And almost, as you participate in this, you almost participate in the suffering of Christ. How does Paul come and say, you know, we're like sheep ready to be slaughtered every day. How does this happen inside somebody? Their hearts. I go back again. Their hearts are receiving some form of revelation that's bigger than them. The heart in Orthodox theology is the center of man. So the heart, not the mind exactly, actually the heart is, you can think about it as the faculty or the principle that balances your life, or at least that's what it's supposed to do. So what do I mean by that? So our hearts are supposed to be the principle or the faculty that does, that brings stability to our lives. So our lives are very fragmented. They're chopped. Every moment is different. We're right now happy and next moment we're angry in the moment after we're crazy in the moment after we're stable and back we're happy, back we're angry, back we're unstable. But, but our hearts are the, are the element in us that's supposed to bring in this stability. 
And so these revelations are supposed to take place in our hearts. This is why, by the way, St. Paul comes and says that God who ordered light to shine in darkness, as in the very beginning of creation, is the one who shone the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ where? It says in our hearts, in our hearts. Something has to happen in our hearts. So our hearts are also willing and ready to face and confess and even participate in the suffering of Christ. So how do we prepare our hearts to have those revelations? One, I'll give you a few steps. Well, I will share with you a few things. One, our hearts has to be humbled, or at least humble. God's revelation would not happen in a heart that's not humble. And I think this is such a difficult, difficult concept for us now. It really is. A humble heart is a heart that's willing to be told no. A humble heart is a heart that's willing to be told not now, later on. A humbled heart is a heart that's willing to be wrong and accepted to be wrong and to be willing to admit that I'm wrong. Those things are very difficult for us. We do not want to be wronged. We do not want to be humbled. We do not want to be told no or not now. And so we find difficulty finding God inside us. And we find difficulty confessing Christ outside in the world. I'm not speaking about words. By the way, it's very easy, I think. It's very easy to come throughout Basca week Say Thoktatigom every day. I think it's easy. I think it's much harder to be told no, to be told not now, to be told you're wrong, to accept that you're wrong. These things are very hard on us. We do not want it. Point number two. Is that we need our hearts we need to be attentive to our hearts. There's a famous quotation by St. Basil says, be attentive to your heart and you will be attentive to God. If you pay attention to your heart, you will pay attention to God. What does he mean? Let me share with you a story by, by Abu Nandu Asidaros. 
of uh, blessed memory that came recently surfaced uh, recently on, on some social media. Abuna says the story of when he was very young, uh, before his priesthood. He said he was very young when he went to the monastery, to the Suryan monastery. He says at that time, the monasteries were very poor, very small, very few monks. And as a young man, he went after every monk to get words of uh, guidance. So he sat with the monks first and second, and he even sat with Abuna Falka Os. Uh, at that time, probably was a recluse. He somehow found him in the desert, and he sat down and he spoke with him. And before he leave, before he, he, he left the monastery, came across uh, the, the, uh, the monk who's in charge of the residence for the visitors. He said, who did you meet? Who's, who did you sit down with? And he says, you know, I sat down with Abuna X and Abuna Y and Abuna this and that. He says, there is a very important person that you have not sat down with. He says, he says he's going to tell you everything that you need to know. He says, who's this? I've, I've met all the monks. He says, no, you have not met him yet. He says, who? He says, you. You have not had the chance to sit down with yourself. Be attentive to your heart. You'll be attentive to God. Society teaches us not to do this at all. We're sad. We don't contemplate inward. What do we do? Our friends take us out so they can forget about whatever that we're sad about. We're happy. Our friends take us out so we cannot think of what makes us happy. We reject it. We get ourselves busy with more things so we do not get a chance to think about what's inside us. No moment for me. And so, no place for any revelation of God to take place in my heart. None. Let's keep the wheel going. And so these moments of Peter, Pilate's wife, the woman who broke the alabaster flask, Paul and his participation in the suffering of Christ will never be ours. These moments will never be ours. We will not get those moments, no. Because they don't, they don't have a place in our hearts. Read all the books. Learn all the hymns. If we don't slow down and sit with ourselves, it would be very difficult to meet God. Unless we meet Him at the end, for sure we will. So we talked about humility. We talked about be attentive to your heart. I also want to take a moment to talk about obedience. Such a difficult thing to do now. Very difficult on all the youth. And very difficult on the grown-ups as well. 
becomes it's becoming very difficult for youth to say yes to say hadr doesn't happen anymore why we're unwilling to submit so obedience is is very important from early on in our early on in childhood in our childhood we need to learn that and even when we grow up we still need to learn that When I speak of the heart, and when I speak of you being attentive to your heart, I want you to work really hard on taking out jealousy, hatred, envy, wrath. God will not be found in a heart that carries all these things. He will not be found. Uh, my last point that I want to make. I know we tend to focus on making big changes in our lives. And, and admittedly, some of the saints have done, you know, those changes 180 degrees. Uh, St. Anthony, St. Augustine, and many of the saints that we love um, they've done 180 degree change in their lives. But for whatever reason, we're unable to make those major changes. So that's fine. If we can't, let's focus on small changes in our lives. But let's keep at it. Take something, one thing, in your heart that you want to get rid of. One and work on that. Let it take its time. After so many years, your heart will be pure. But stay at it. Focus on the small changes. Focus on the small changes. The small changes will take you very far. Let's not, you know, let's not be concerned with, you know, I've tried before and I failed, I tried before and I failed, and my heart is still not focused. Let's not worry about this so much. Let's focus on the small changes, but let's have them to be steady. After a while, something will change in our hearts. A new revelation, a different presence, of Christ will be in our hearts. Only then, only then, we will come to truly know God and truly experience His suffering. So I'll repeat those points again. Humility, obedience, be attentive to your hearts, and do the small changes. And glory be to God forever.